Well, hello everyone. <laughs> hello, hello, Jeanette. How are you? Doing, doing well, thanks. Yes, Steve. Yeah. So, mm. Super appreciate your time, and um, we were just talking off off the recording about all the, um, I guess, how this is somewhat normal, and about the mm. idea things you wouldn't normally think about, like um, I like I'm talking about dressing. The I put this plant up just for this because <laughs> um, you'd never think about dressing your room up for recordings and things like that, but all the fun of this season. But I appreciate you um, joining me in this season and over this technology and um, also just love that we live in a time where this is possible. But for those that don't know about you, I um, appreciate your time, but could you tell us a little bit about who is, who is Jeanette? What, it, what, what have you been involved with and what are you involved with now? Currently, <laughs> I live in Melbourne. And my husband and I have a small psychology consulting business called Uplift, which involves, between both of us, the full range, I tend more on the individual psychological therapy side of it uh, and education, and his is uh, business and churches and groups uh, and mentoring leaders. We came back here from Brisbane nearly two years ago now, uh, after a stint up in Brisbane for 10 years, uh, working with Churches of Christ in Queensland, where Dean was CEO, and I worked as a Mission Action Partner, which is a, a minister involved in um, local ministry, but on the ground rather than with the church. So we're involved in um, uh, networking and connecting with local churches and our care facilities and community groups on the ground, actually opening up missional opportunities where there were needs. So ranged across a whole lot of things in different parts of Queensland. One of the things that I did was to start up a psychology service for Churches of Christ called Access Place Psychology and Counselling. And with that uh, worked also in particularly in the domestic violence space with women's issues, with a uh, number of uh, needs like that. Um, my background is also in secondary education. And uh, we have three grown-up children and one gorgeous grandson who's just turned nine months old, um, which is part of what's brought us back to uh, Melbourne. Fantastic. Well, I, yeah, appreciate giving it, give us a snapshot. And it, it's, that, it's, it's that experience and that knowledge that I'm hoping we can, um, yeah, lean into today. As I just, I guess the reason I want to do this interview is um, these are strange times. And along these strange times, um, at least uh, for those that don't know me, I'm a, min a local minister in Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. But right across the, right across the board of the world at the moment, a lot of people talking about their mental mental health. Yeah. A lot of people struggling. From what I know, my limited research is um, these types of things were on the rise anyway in, in the Western world. Um, but then this thing, this whole pandemic, this whole thing, isolation, it's just, it's just added to it or fast-forwarded it or just... What's your read of it? What, what, what is going on and what are you hearing around the whole, yeah, people, yeah, struggling? I've seen full range, people yeah. who've taken it in their stride to people where it's really spiked high anxiety levels. If you've got some sort of mental health condition to start with, then you're predisposed to have more issues around it, certainly. 
it also depends what your background experience has been, whether you've had experiences of tra uh, trauma or disaster or something through mm. your life or not. Dean was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukaemia, um, what, three and a half years ago. And so this whole issue of high anxiety around illness, um, infection uh, control, managing all that sort of thing, it becomes second nature to us. So in some ways for us, it was a little bit easier. But I've seen um, people in my community who are high-functioning, uh, coping really well with family life, and suddenly this has gone whoosh and it's mm -hmm. so them. And um, I've seen anxiety levels spiking to the level where they're having difficulty coping with just the normal everyday thing and making everyday decisions. So there's the full range. Yeah. If there's stuff going on, there's recognition in the media about a spike in domestic violence, and that's actually really true because um, domestic and family violence is about control and entitlement. One of the features often, not always, but is about isolating the victim. And so here, in a situation where there are lockdowns, where we've got to be so careful around infection, infection, it's so easy to isolate. So as we start to come out of lockdown and come back to normal society, we're seeing more and more reports of that. So that is a particularly dangerous area too. Because we have, we, um, and um, yeah, no excuse that we've we've as a, as everybody has lost we've lost i i call it we've lost control but we've lost the illusion of control haven't we we um i guess i as a if you had asked me what it's going over like nine months now so yeah asked me a year ago um if this could ever happen i have my apps i have mm. my netflix i'm in control of my world and my life there's no way the world is going to shut down um over over some um, extreme <laughs> brand of a cold. Um, but, yeah, it turns out all that illusion was um, pretty... I was pretty wrong. <laughs> and yeah. I imagine lots of people have felt that loss of control. Mm. The, um, somewhere in the Gospels, I remember Jesus talking, uh, um, it might have been the rich young ruler about all the plans he had for the future, and he <laughs> says, you fool, you don't know you're going to die tomorrow. And in some ways, this is a version of this. All the plans we had at the beginning of the year, yeah. what this year might have been, have been just tossed out the window. Yeah. And suddenly we're restricted. But with that, with a, within a healthy person, I think our expectations have diminished. And in that diminishing of expectations, there's some healthiness. It's about a readjustment to what I can do in this time and this age and that that's okay. And I could actually still get a lot of joy, a lot of fulfilment and satisfaction from these more straightened circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, I guess we won't ever quite know you know, everything it's doing to us in, we'll look back. It's all in hindsight, but I, you were showing, uh, you were going to show us a, a little example. Um, you've got some beacon, beakers, <laughs> beacons yeah. um, there. Um, yeah, a little bit of what might be going on for people um, in that whole range of what people are feeling at the moment. And mm -hmm. so I might get you to show me that if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, okay. And it's about this, this concept of how much I can actually manage at any one time yeah. and um, uh, how I can cope with a whole lot of stuff, but I get to a critical point where it, all gets, it can all get too much. Yeah, for sure. 
So this illustration just gives you a bit of a sense of what happens with the stress that we cope with in daily life. So you'll see here, I've got a range of different coloured and shaped jars and uh, with uh, different liquids in which represent the different shapes and, and sizes of the different stresses that we have uh, and experience during our lifetimes. So if we imagine that the glass is the stress that we're coping with, um, then this, this is what we carry around with us every day. And um, we can handle that. This amount of stress uh, we have running in the background all the time and it could be a mixture of stress about difficult things, difficult issues in the past, neglects that are going on, things in the present. And it's a mixture of, of, of good stress, which we call eustress, and bad stress, which is what we commonly consider stress. So that's quite okay. And sometimes we can recognise those stresses, but we can cope with them. But what happens then when other things come along? Uh, uh, if we think about the event of life, and there's always going to be stresses. This could be um, stress from, let's say, some family issues that occur. It could be a um, falling out with your family or some hurt that you might have got over but still sits in the background. So that's going to add to the stress that we deal with every day. And so we're carrying that around with us then. And uh, again, that's all right. We don't like it, but we can learn to live with it because the stress is there. But then something else comes along. Let's say uh, we have issues at work. And um, it could be that we missed out on that promotion or we have a disagreement with a work colleague. Um, it could be that we have a falling out with the boss or the project goes wrong. That's pretty tough and we'll have times where we find that difficult. But we again learn to accommodate it and life goes on. We might have something else happen to us. It could be a major health issue. We might be involved in a car accident that lands us or someone we love in hospital. Um, it could be a mental health issue. Uh, could be caring for someone close to us, elderly parents, a disabled or chronically ill child, something like that, that also causes issues in life but look we're still coping and life is getting tougher and you can see how the colors got darker and it's difficult and it's tough and sometimes we've got to grit our teeth and go on but then something else happens this year COVID came along and COVID is the dreaded at the beginning of the year it was the dreaded unknown the dirty murky what's the future going to hold and the very idea of COVID and the unknowns around COVID added to that mix as well. And then we think about all the things that COVID has created. So lockdown, um, changes in work situation, people working and schooling from home. How do we cope with the risk of infection? You can see the glass is full and this is the point where we realise that we're skating on thin ice, but it still goes on. 
Now we only need something little to tip this over. It could be an argument with someone in our family. It could be the stress of exams or the assignment or that work project that's due. That's due. It could be someone cutting us off in traffic. And what happens? We've gone from managing and coping and not liking it to everything goes belly up. We get overwhelmed and we're no longer coping. It could be a health, a health breakdown. Um, it could be a mental health breakdown. It could be panic attacks. It could be a whole number of things. But this is the reality of how life keeps heaping on these stresses. So how do we prevent our cup overflowing? If the cup is nearly full, we've got to find a way of creeping that back. And so I've got my jug here. And if I can find a way to get rid of some of that stress to reduce the load, we get back to that being manageable. The colour's still murky. We might not like the mix, but we can actually do it. And so the strategies that I've got for you, simple strategies you can put in place to reduce the load of stress that we're coping with every day to get our cup back to a manageable level. Thank you so much for that. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a simple visual, but it's so helpful to see how much we're, um, yeah, exactly. We, I guess it's easy to tell ourselves that we're okay because yeah. it might be 50, million, 50, uh, 50 little things we're dealing with. But as we add them up to realise, hey, there's, there's, this, is, this is a lot. And then you chuck in a pandemic. Um, you chuck in a loss of job. You chuck in a re reduction of work. Mm. And so... Yeah, such a powerful visual to um, maybe all admit that mm. in this season we've got a lot more stress than maybe we're, we're noticing. Yeah, and we all have our times. So I think each of us in life have experienced it. My classic is that I will get sick after a period of high stress and I'll mm. have people telling me, you're under stress, take care. I'll say, no, no, I'm managing it, all right. And the event, I'll get through the event and then the following week I'll come down ill and that's my classic. I'll either contract an illness of some type, I'll, I'll mm. develop a migraine. Um, and uh, it's absolutely not unusual. Yeah, for sure. Isn't it lovely when someone tells us we're stressed? <laughs> my, my, <laughs> no. my wife was here, she'd tell me she loves it. <laughs> um, she, and no, not at all we don't, but, but absolutely. We all have those indicators and we all need a reminder. Yeah. Um, and so I guess... The reason, um, well, on top of the discussion we're already having, um, I really wanted to just have a bit of a think about what do we do with that? So someone's watching right now and they're struggling and they're on that, that full scope or spectrum on, on super stressed or just feeling a little bit like things are too much. Uh, what, what can we practically be doing to uh, assist ourselves? And I guess as um, I'm a Christian pastor and you're, you've just talked about your work as, as a Christian. Um, and this is not just for people to watch that go to church or just Christians, but we can get into the, um, I guess, the trap of just simple, simplifying it and saying, oh, just pray for it, mm. um, which is fantastic um, and a big believer of that. But there's also things practically we can be doing um, while we pray to help ourselves. Um, if I'm sitting at home binging on Netflix, 
eating a heap of junk food um, and feeling really not even getting outside and feeling really um, unwell and I'm just praying about it, um, then maybe I'm not doing the best things to help myself. And so, yeah, I was hoping, do you have, um, I think we discussed, yeah, possibly five things um, that you could offer us to be thinking about and we'll put into practice if we're feeling a little bit unhealthy. Yeah, you just reminded me. Yeah, I've got, I've got <laughs> five to sit here. Yes. Uh, and you've just reminded me of the other basic one which underpins that. Yes. Uh, and is the benefits of exercise, good nutrition, good sleep routines. Yeah. Um, so that's another one. Um, <laughs> but everyone talks about that. So I've got five things here. And sure. they're based on um, good evidence-based uh, research and... Uh, I think they fit absolutely with some of the biblical teachings. So I'm straddling both here in yep. what I've got to say. So <laughs> appreciate it. Anyone can can benefit from. Yeah. So the first, I, I, yeah, I've got five. The first one uh, I call surfing the wave, and this comes out of a version of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is. Uh, my my main therapy focus that I use with clients. Um, so if you think about walking down to the surf at Burley Heads and um, uh, either if you're a surfer going out with your board or otherwise just watching what happens with the waves, you have this sense that the waves, um, uh, you look out to sea and you see the swell of the water as the wave starts to form and it goes up and up and up and up and it reaches a peak. And then the surf starts to break mm. and it rolls in and the water flows in and trickles onto the sand and dilutes. Um, similarly, with um, our thoughts, with our emotions and also with almost any crisis that a human faces. Yep. Whether we are talking COVID, whether we are talking uh, floods, whether we are talking bushfires, we have a similar thing. And in here, in here, our emotions and our coping ability, it's the same. So we start, we look in the face of COVID and all the nasties and all the dreads of what it could be. And we feel our anxiety rising up and up and up and up and up and up. Now, our tendency is to get afraid of that and to push it away, either push it down and ignore it For or sure. try to run away from it in some way. Um, and yet it, the more we do that, the more anxious we get about it and what it might be because we don't know. Now, if we can just sit there with it, and it's actually about looking it full in the face, which can be scary if our emotion, if our anxiety gets out of control. But if we sit with it and we actually act like the curious scientist who is just like they're sitting over my back shoulder and just observing what happens within me mm. and noticing it. And you can actually go through the different senses. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Um, you can observe what's happening and notice how it might increase but then it reaches that tip of the wave 
and it gradually grows down. This shall pass. And it will. And it happens with the good emotions, it happens with the with the difficult emotions. No emotion that we experience stays with us forever. And reminding ourselves of that can help us when times are really tough and it feels like we're totally overwhelmed. Absolutely. Because it always, it, when you're in it, it always feels like it's forever, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and you want to escape it. Yeah. If it's negative, you want to escape yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But as a, um, I love that. I love that idea of observing yourself, observing it. Mm. Um, <laughs> and seeing that, yeah, seeing the full, hang on, I'm on a wave. Yeah. I'm going to ride this out. Um, yeah, it doesn't take it away, but at least gives you self-awareness and perspective. Mm. And, and there's a concept in ACT that um, if I allow my anxiety to take control, I end up getting anxious about getting anxious and I actually have the anxiety scale up a lot higher. Yeah, okay. Now, I can actually just sit with it and say, this is okay. I can surf the wave. This too shall pass. Then I'm just dealing with the initial anxiety and not the anxiety that that has created and, and uh, accumulates. And that actually can make it a lot easier to cope with it. Yeah, great. So that was, was that observe the wave? What, what did we call that? Um, surfing the wave. Oh, much, yeah, much cooler. That's a much cooler name. And I'm, from, I'm the one from Burley. Sorry, yeah. so I'm the one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, you, uh, surfing the wave. Yeah, great, great. That's fantastic. Second one actually leads from surfing the wave into it. And most people will have heard these days they talk about mindfulness meditation. And it's a bit of an in thing. Uh, and mindfulness meditation does not solve all ills, but it absolutely has a place. And it has a place in managing anxiety and depression Uh, it is a really useful tool so mindfulness meditation is about that observing side of it Uh, and it is about sitting with the here and now the thing about anxiety and what can scale up anxiety is that we look back at all the things that have happened to us and get upset and worried about those, but they're all past and actually we cannot control them. We've got absolutely no control over them. Mm. But we also look ahead and we think about um, what might happen. I might walk into this cafe, touch something that someone else has touched and contract COVID. Mm. And then what would happen? And I might end up in hospital and I might end up on a life support. Um, <laughs> and you know what? You're actually quite fit and healthy. These are all what ifs. And it can feel that in going there that we've actually got control, but we haven't. We've absolutely, absolutely got no control over what happens tomorrow. Sure. I can actually notice that if I walk in... Um, if, if I walk around in public spaces and I put my hands on everything and I, and I start breathing other people's air, then I'm at greater risk. And so, right, I'll put in place some good precautions for that. But beyond that, there's nothing I can do. Mm. What I can control is the here and now. So mindfulness meditation is about anchoring myself in the present moment. And you know what? In this present moment, 
no matter how dreadful the present moment is, there are also some some good things about it. And that, that can sound really contrary to someone who's actually going through a really tough time and a difficult experience. But within that, there are little um, glimmers of hope. And I will get to that later. That's a on <laughs> <and> the list. <laughs> so mindfulness is about mindfully being fully immersed in this moment. Now, that's where the five senses come in. Yeah. So if I'm sitting here and I'm noticing, I look around and I just notice what I can see and just let my attention fall on something, uh, fully absorb in it, name it, let it go, move around, my attention falls on something else. Fully immersed in it for a moment, name it, let it go. Um, I'm actually mindfully observing the world around me. I can do a similar thing with hearing. What are the sounds that actually come to my attention? Not that I actively go seeking. This is about just sitting and letting things come to me. But what sounds actually come in to my ears? Sound of traffic, the sound of birds, the sound of surf. Yeah. Um, and noticing those. And then similarly for the other senses with taste, it's amazing even just sitting in one spot if you tune in, the taste of the air. Yeah. Um, uh, so we've got sight, sound, taste, touch, and that's actually two things. What am I feeling inside emotionally? What am I actually touching and feeling with my hands? I'm sitting here at the moment, so just noticing the way that, I, that my body is placed in the chair, my feet flat on the floor, those sort of things. And I've missed one. Um, what am I missing? Sight, sound, taste, touch. Smell. And yes, and that's a yep. really important yep. one because yep. the sense of smell is something that we don't notice so much take for, uh, and take for granted, and yet smell is associated with so many different things. So what's the smell of the air at the moment? You know, is mm. there perfume, an odour, whatever? Okay. So that actually brings you fully in the present. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole lot, if you search on the net, there's a whole lot of different mindfulness practices mm. uh, and handout that I've got will actually list a few, but really quickly, um, an Australian app called smiling mind is excellent smiley mind smiling mind smiling yeah yeah um produced using some of the best therapists in australia yep uh it's free it's simple to use and it gradually trains you in mindfulness practices great mindfulness is also really good to use in association with prayer because yes. it actually gets you present in that space where there's just you and god I was going to, um, I was actually going to say that. I was going to say, I can imagine for some listening to this, they hear mindfulness and meditation and they picture incense being um, given to some deity other than their God. But seriously, I'd encourage anyone that, um, personally, I'd encourage anyone that might be a bit worried about that, read through the Psalms and hear how much, um, even the, I'm thinking around the, the shepherd uh, getting us to lay down on green pastures. To yeah. listen to the water, and then and then even um, I mean, this is not a sermon, um, so I'll be careful. <laughs> we won't get off track, 
but even anyone encourage anyone to read through the Beatitudes. Mm. I've been being blessed in the moment. And, and um, so if anyone is worried about that, that that's another conversation. But um, certainly I, I would, my, my inkling would be that the Bible spoke of mindful practices long before it was a term, um, mm. we, a, a trending term we use now. And, uh, yeah, again, the Psalms, it's all about nature, all about stopping, um, sometimes being forced to lie on green pastures and just admit where we are. So, yeah, so sorry, I cut you off there. Prayer, prayer, how, yeah, how can we use that better in our prayer life? Yeah. Uh, you can use it in different ways. Yeah. I think that it is anal- uh, um, the analogy is be still and know that I'm God. Yeah. Absolute stillness. Yeah. Um, it can be a prelude to prayer, um, but it, it's also about that that praying without speaking. Yeah, all of those are there. Uh, I think just in answer to your comment there, there's a couple of traditions in a couple of different um, uh, races around the world. There is a strong Buddhist tradition in mindfulness meditation, but also if you look back through um, ancient Jewish literature, mm. uh, it it was there very strongly. Uh, medieval uh, monks, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there are a couple of um, uh, Catholic traditions where it was used and practised and developed quite extensively. So it's just as much a part of the Christian tradition as some other religions. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So, um, yeah, there's two. So we've got Surf the Wave. And a, and, a, and a practice of meditation and mindfulness. Yeah. Um, what's next? <laughs> uh, the third one yeah. is a quite simple practice called a gratitude diary. Yes. Yep. And uh, classically, this has been taught as um, actually keeping a small notebook, small diary. And I would often encourage people to go and buy a small notebook, something you can carry around with you, keep in your shirt pocket or carry in your bag. Um, and the challenge was each day to find three things which make me smile or for which I feel grateful. And this is about retraining habits of mind. That I've, I've actually been depressed and anxious for a long period of time. My mind actually goes into protective mode. Don't kill me mode is a good way of ex- expressing it. Um, and so my mind is just so busy scanning for danger that it forgets to stop and appreciate the little joys, the little benefits of life that are there alongside the danger. So um, the Philippians first, Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Um, it is not saying that if something absolutely dreadful happens to me, that I'm a bad Christian if I'm not wandering around skipping for joy and have a smile on my face. But it is about that even in the midst of the darkest times, there are things for which we can be grateful for and for things from which we can connect with that deep joy. It's in my heart that God places there. So it can be simple things like, hearing your baby um, cry or give you a smile, Um, seeing uh, a flower burst out in spring, smelling the the wattle on the air, Um, 
somebody saying something, expressing appreciation to you, thank you for doing that, or I really appreciated that. Um, so it's a challenge if you're actually really feeling pulled down by life. Mm. It is a challenge that will help to retrain the mind, to balance off the protective aspect with the expressing joy. Today, sometimes I say, if you're a visual person, use your phone to take photos. Yeah. Um, but then make a special album that you keep those gratitude diary photos in. Because the other thing you can do with this is you accumulate, you build it up. And when you're experiencing a particularly difficult time, pull out your diary, pull out your phone. Go through mindfully each of the things you've written down. Try to put yourself back in the position you were when you put that thing down when you experienced it. And it will actually help to bring some of that balance back again. I, I love that. And, I'm, uh, I mean, here I am about to talk about neuroscience, and so I should preface that with I have no idea what I'm talking about. But my understanding is the pathways, um, the pathways, recent research shows that you actually build little highways in, yeah. your, in your brain essentially yeah. and you it becomes easier to be more grateful and one of the things um i didn't actually know as we didn't actually talk about the list previous to us hit and record um but i i love love i love them all but i love love this one we um my family have a friday night practice around this where we um right. we, we've got i've got three kids under six and we we go around and because kids under six especially Oh, they probably never stopped doing this, but they're asking for things and they're telling me what I haven't given them um, and what I haven't given them enough of and why can't we have this for dinner, et cetera, et cetera. But we actually try to stop on a Friday night and say one thing for the week that we're thankful for. Um, and for my, for my youngest, it's usually what's in front of him, so the red cup. <laughs> but for the others, it just gives them a chance to think through their week and stop asking and say, hey, we're, we have so much to be grateful for. Mm. Um, the fact we're eating something Friday night is a start. And so a, a, a gratitude diary, did you call it, or a gratitude? Gratitude diary, yeah. yeah, yeah. great. No, I, I so much appreciate that. Yeah. I'll see if there's actually a, a couple of interesting websites around this. I'll see if I can provide a link for the handout for you if you want to pursue it. That would be phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so these are, as I said, these are all things that have a, a good body of research evidence to show that it makes a difference. And you're generally looking, just to, to, to give you encouragement, if you start that way, sometimes you'll feel within a few days you'll feel a difference. Other times you might go, what do you think I was not making any difference? Hang in there. The tipping point, according to research, is six weeks. Yeah. But as I, as I said, with my clients, I'll often find they'll come back to see me the following week and they'll say, I'm feeling better already. Right. But not always. So uh, hang in there. You need to put it into place for at least six weeks to change your habits of mind. And it, it kind of reminds me, I know we've got two more to go, but it also, yeah. it also reminds me, um, I don't know, when you're a kid and you, you get a bit of a headache or something, and I know, at least my mum used to say, have you drink enough water? And you get frustrated how simple that is. You like, no, of course I have. I have. It's not water. It's a headache, mum. Because you don't want it to be that simple. Um, but sometimes the most practical things, and you even said at the start about going outside, exercising, eating well, 
and these things are, 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 are a gratitude diary, surfing the wave, mm. um, mindfulness. Sometimes we're like, oh, I, I don't want it to be that simple because what we're feeling isn't simple. Um, but no. like you just did, I'd encourage anyone watching this, give this a go, try this out um, because this is a overwhelming season. And so, mm. but I won't, I won't start. Yeah, my invitation now. Let me hear. I want to hear what what else. So we're up to number four. Is that right? Number four. That's right. Yes. Yeah. The last two are actually about the the acknowledgement that as human beings we're part of social systems. No yeah. man is an island. For sure. And the importance of being with other people. So number four is about social support. And there's a really good body of research around this generally, but also specifically after a natural disaster. And uh, COVID is a type of natural disaster. For sure. So the importance of helping people connect in with their social support networks uh, has been documented over and over again. So don't just hide in your house. Mm. Uh, and this is where, as you said at the start, Steve, the the benefit we've got over 100 years ago with the flu epidemic is the ready means of connection with people where we can pick up the phone, where we can, uh, we can connect via Zoom, uh, we can, just because we're home in our house doesn't mean we can't connect in 101 different ways. For sure. And uh, as... Uh, restrictions are being eased and we're able to get and gather with with people if you're feeling the thing is when you're feeling really depressed or really anxious we often just want to climb into our shell and yet if we do that it becomes self-perpetuating and it is even more difficult but the more that we can connect in with our community with our family, our friends, our colleagues, our church community groups, uh, the better we are going to feel. Uh, and it's about groups where you feel safe. Yeah. And if it feels like a huge mountain to do this, just start in small ways. And that could be just a text to someone. Mm. Um, but try to actually forget to develop a routine around it also. And so if you can find certain times of the day, certain times of the week where you reach out to other people, you'll find that they actually will help. And if you tune into yourself afterwards, you'll feel a certain lightness around that. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm an extrovert, so that's naturally outstanding. Yeah. But, but for both introverts and extroverts, community <laughs> where we're made, I like that, where we're created for community. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. The difference in, it, uh, in a practical sense between introverts and extroverts is that extroverts actually get energy from being with people, whereas with introverts it actually eats up energy and then you need, do need time to retreat. For sure. actually recover energy. But it doesn't mean that introverts don't benefit from a social setting. So it's about finding a social setting that you feel, feel comfortable with, that's not too overwhelming, and where you are actually going to get some positives back and actually feel better, and that's important. So it might be, if you're really struggling, you need to be discriminating, and it needs to be 
about the family and the friends and the small social networks where you're actually going to get supported, not where you feel you're going to drag, be dragged down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's it. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate the, the definition there. I, um, even in a, for me, I, everything's in a ministry world bubble. Um, but we have me and my wife and family, we have difference. We love our church community, but I'm also at work. Um, I'm also working, I'm on the clock. And so we also have a smaller community within that community that we can just be ourselves with um, completely. And I'm not on, um, which is completely fine, but it's so both of those things are crucial, but the other would benefit, the, the big wider church benefits from me being able to have some people that were able to just um, fully trust and fully communicate and fully relax with um, yeah. And so, no, it's, it's, it's important, whatever setting anyone's watching this. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an important distinction you make there, Steve, um, between a work setting. And a work yeah. setting actually can feed a lot of those the social benefits as well. But you also need that other setting where you can just down tools. You not, not, nothing is expected of you. You can just be yourself and be with other people. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so the last one. Yep. Um, is actually around volunteering, actually doing something for other people. Uh, and I found it really interesting, but the first time I come across research about this was just um, a few years ago. And it was actually quite strong research that shows that people who volunteer actually find, uh, and it was specifically focused on people who were suffering from depression and actually found that it lightened their depression. Um, but since then, there's been a, a fair bit of research uh, around the idea that volunteering is actually a really good way of bringing meaning and purpose into your life. Um, it increases self-esteem and well-being, mm. reduces stress and symptoms of depression, and it can actually improve relationships. Uh, there's a focus here, I think, on um, an other focus rather than yeah. focus. Um, and the volunteering, if you're considering doing it, you would need to think about what gifts have I got? Um, what is my passion, my focus, my values? What do I consider important? And where could that lead me to support and help other people? And um, in that, there can still be a whole wide range. And then, of course, it's a matter of finding actually a place that you can do that. Uh, but it does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we actually, I've seen that in a micro exam. We have an op shop attached to our, our, our church um, and just volunteers coming in, uh, whether some of them are retired or some yeah. have had a workplace injury, so they're just looking to get back up. Mm. But, um, the most, some of the workplace injuries, um, can't talk injuries have been fascinating because not only have they taken a hit uh, physically, but their confidence um, yes, that's and, right. and, and just volunteering, just serving sometimes for them in an op shop and stacking clothes or it's, it's actually amazing um, mm. that serving other people, seeing other people in need as well, a little bit of that and being grateful. Um, yeah. Well, I, I've seen the power of that fully in completely changing someone mm. um, and giving them confidence again, um, but also just 
yeah, doing something for someone else. Isn't that, it sounds counterintuitive mm. of uh, kind of um, the, it's all about me and helping me. Um, but it, it, it works. I've seen that work it does. every time in helping people. Um, yeah. Bring more joy, uh, deeper joy, I guess. Years ago, um, Dean and I were uh, connected in with Epworth Hospital and it was really interesting to see the community of people that gather around a hospital, not just your people in your, your medical roles, but there were a number of cleaners and orderlies, those who were doing base-level jobs mm. that um, as we got to know them, they were people who were highly educated um, with a lot to offer in a lot of areas. And they had made a deliberate choice to work in this role um, it, within the hospital because they saw that basically as their ministry. Mm. And you would see they weren't just a cleaner, um, but there was a time um, where uh, Dean had a period of illness. There was a um, cleaner who made it his... Uh, role his mission once a week he his family actually grew all their own um, fruit and he would bring into work this beautiful basket of the most amazing fruit and he would actually deliver it to Dean and yeah. say this is my gift for you and this is to <laughs> help you on the road to recovery and so there was the the benefit of the physical benefit of the food but also, of course, the, the boost in saying, I care about you. Yeah. So many little ways that um, he saw his role as so much more than just the physical description of cleaning a hospital. Yes. And we can build that into anything that we're doing, whether it is in our everyday work, whether it is in volunteering, whether it is in um, uh, mothering or our attitude to family or our attitude to people, our neighbours in the street. Uh, so it, even volunteering doesn't have to be in any formal way, but it is about this focus on another person and what can I do? How can I minister to you? That's great. That I, Look, I so much appreciate. I appreciate that this isn't, like we said at the start, this isn't just a couple of opinions or, or ideas that we've just thought of. This has been researched. This is a, your, your experience. Yep. Um, uh, this is, yeah, from, yeah, this is, this is stuff that has worked and is working for people. And so I just guess I just encourage anyone that is watching this or has been sent this link um, to not instantly, uh, as I spoke about before, not disregard it like, your mum saying drink more water when you've got a headache. It's just going, that sounds too simple to be the, uh, to try these things, to, um, to, to work through these things. Um, as the heart here is honestly to help people in what is a very difficult season for a lot of people. And so I guess my last question is um, maybe we're not the person struggling with this, um, but we know someone um, and it's so well, I, it's so difficult um, to know what to say, to know how to approach it, to not want to um, the whole range give give advice that we're not sure of, or or patronize. Oh, I don't know what the word, or we just don't understand. Mm -hmm. What is your advice if we um, if we've got someone in our life at the moment 
that we think are showing some indications that they're struggling a little? How do we, how do we start? How do we approach that? I think the first thing is, if I go back to um, the point on social support, yep. the constancy of walking alongside them. And it's not about what do I say and being too frightened to say, but it's about being there. And it's about through your behaviour saying, I care and I'm going to be with you through the long haul. If this is someone that you've had a previous relationship with particularly, it might be that this has got to be a period where this is not a mutually um, give and receive each way relationship, but I know this is a season where I need to be giving even if I don't get much back. And if I phone this person and they don't ring me back and I know that they're struggling, phone them again. Send them a text message. Yeah. Just yep. uh, go around and visit them and just be there. Um, and sometimes that will lead to some good uh, healing conversations, but other times it might be just a matter of just being there and being alongside them. And in doing that, um, it shows that you care. Now, obviously, Depending on the level, it might then be a matter of gently suggesting it might be time to actually have a look at getting some professional help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then is the process you go through. Uh, yeah. If you're talking about mental health, the first is a visit to the GP yeah. and uh, getting a mental health care plan, and the GP then will actually refer you on to someone. Yeah, that, and that's, I, I think that's super important as we have this conversation um, to note. We don't think that this, <laughs> this video is going to solve. Please, if, if, if you are struggling um, and, and, or if you know someone, um, absolutely seek, seek professional help because mm. um, they, they know what they're doing. Um, but, I, but I love that, that. I love that. Just to go back, I love that being present with people and um so so often i don't why well, I, I don't know about everyone else but you feel like you want to solve it for them um yeah. you feel like you want to fix it for them um but all, all i'm hearing is it's about listening mm. um, being, i mean this is great marriage advice as a side note as well <laughs> for, for men particularly just to listen and not try to solve but it's a good it's a good friend advice as well just to listen not to solve um and to be present um, and then to know you're there, um, yeah. yeah, you don't have to have all the answers. And um, the issue, yeah. issue you can have with feeling like you've got to fix it for someone else is yeah. that it can be really disempowering. And that actually, if someone's feeling bad, can make them feel worse. For sure. Um, it is about sitting down with them and saying, I want to be here for you through this. And I want to help you, if that's helpful, what can I do to help? Yeah. Uh, and there may be things you can do, but it needs to come from them. They need to say, to, to tell you what they need. And if they don't know what they need, you just hang in there with them. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's, look, that's a great way to kind of finish there. Mm. Um, but lastly, um, how do we get in touch? If we if we've, want to know more about what you do, um, if we want to connect in any way, what's the best way to do that? Uh, we've got a website, yep. upliftcentre, all one word, uh, where there's a little bit about us. Uh, also, if you have a look on the bottom of the handout, I'll include an, uh, an email address and a phone number 
um, if you'd like to get in touch. Um, the other thing is if you're looking at local stuff and you're Brisbane focused, I would recommend the Brisbane ACT Centre, A-C-T, all capital letters. Uh, they are very good with presenting um, ACT therapy. Uh, and uh, as I've implied, the therapy that I do I th is, is consistent with a Christian approach. Yep. Um, not, not everyone at ACT Centre are Christians, but they will have a, an approach which is consistent. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, so I so appreciate your time. There's, um, there's so much information out there at the moment about pen, the pandemic. Yeah. But look, at least what I'm finding on my news feed is it's about <clears throat> the weird and wacky conspiracy theories people trying to control that anxiety in, in different forms. And it looks weird and wacky in different ways, but I haven't seen a lot. I'm sure there is, but I haven't seen a lot of conversations on some things to do with, like exactly what we've spoken about. So I just so appreciate your experience and, and your time and, um, and yeah. And, and those five, five putting it so concisely on some things that we can try. And yeah, is there anything you wanted to just say just as we finish? Um, yeah, just um, just aware of how challenging it is for so yeah. many people at the moment. And I would encourage you just to hang in there because things will get better. Yeah. And uh, if you're really, really struggling, then I would encourage you to actually seek some good quality uh, professional support because it will make a huge difference. It's no different to if you broke your arm, you need to yeah. go to the hospital and get it set in plaster for it to heal. But as a simple thing, put into practice these five things as a starting point and they will make some difference. So it's certainly worth give it a go. Yeah, mm. fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Thank you for your time. A pleasure.